the mother specifically spoke about it that the age of religions is over mother and shubhinda have made some very bold and courageous statements and really um it's amazing they didn't want to give us some pleasant goodies as truths pass them off as truth just some cliches so that we may say ah so nice get up in the morning at 3 o'clock touch your parents feet look sounds very nice to parents at least so you know they didn't come to tell us such things which are cliches they came to give us truth not pleasant truths there is a difference between the two pleasant truths keep us in our comfort zone and we are very happy because we are conditioned to it habitually or it suits us our convenience as one pleasant truth i was telling in the morning that husbands like to hear the duties of a wife quoted from the dharma shastras so this is what has happened when divine beings come great incarnations masters beings who have embodied the higher consciousness and they have to give their experience in the form of a body of knowledge it's natural but what we understand is a body of words based upon where we stand our ground is very different from that ground one of the things we were for example hearing yesterday a night on krishna and you know krishna bhajans what krishna and radha's leela is very different it's not at all about you know the kind of vital images that have been attributed to it and shubhendra speaks about it they have come later on krishna and radha or the gopis love is the love of the soul for the divine and the the love of the soul krishna dwells in the higher nature she is the other woman you know we heard about yesterday but the seeker is wanting her to be on this plane here in this this very existence woman is the feminine element the prakriti unfortunately subsequently many people have taken it to understand it simply as a vital love created vital images even there are lot of things you know whenever there is a flood boy they call him krishna it's a very you know sad thing krishna is of course he floods with creation in the highest sense not not the way we so it's uh, this what happens that when a great master or a great being comes and he releases certain truths he has to embody these truths in the body of words but if he says love we understand human love inst- instantly love all so you know it we understand love all means in a human way and it can be very disorienting i know long back somebody was referred to me someone had come from the other side of the world to pondicherry and the problem was he was embracing everything from the tree to the you know dog to the stone wall and everything so i said why are you doing it he said no no everything you must love i feel this love for everything i said okay but be careful the law may catch up on you <laughs> if you <laughs> continue this now this state of consciousness in which it is said love all is very different from our state of consciousness where 
we have very inadequate means of receiving this love of expressing this love so this is the big gap between that state and this and this gap can only be bridged by yoga so when great truths are spoken to us we take this context of mother and shirbindo krishna ramayan bible great truths but there are two ways we can approach it either we can read it like a scripture every day routinely and let these words enter into the web of our own understanding make a khichdi out there and that's the end of the story keep the holy book wrapped as shubhendra says in silken strings on the altar read a few lines every day then it begins to become a religion we pick up few things that the great master did or did not do and again form a religion we observe certain things which were temporary in every great truth there are temporal elements and there are eternal elements now temporal elements are connected to the space and time context there is certain moment in which things are taking place in which a great truth is given to man and we pick up those elements and turn it into eternal truths whereas in every teaching there is an eternal element the sanatan satya to receive that we have to go beyond the scripture beyond the written word beyond the customs cultures and external things in which it is trapped and there are several examples of it plenty of examples i mean whether we take any of the puranas or you know even ramayana and mahabharata one common example in ramayana uh, we don't even read actually so as a child i remember somebody quoting ramayana and saying dor gavar shudra pashunari ye sab thadan ke adhikari is ramcharit manas i don't know ever it basically means that dor means dhol the the musical instrument gavar somebody who is not studied much illiterate dor gavar shudra the menial pashu the animal and along with it nari the woman ye sab thadan ke adhikari they deserve by being that they deserve to be uh, you know scolded and even beaten up or whatever now you know this jard this can't be ramayana of course it is ravana speaking you know when hanuman is caught in the in in lanka and he says yes he is a pashu he needs to be and now Ra- ravana's word cannot be you know Uh, the the quoted as ramayana it's like in savitri there are people who quote passages uh, and when you go back and you show that this is a passage we death has spoken so you can't uh, you know quote it as shurbindo says this of course shurbindo says this see how i am talking of something very obvious and very gross not even going into the um, uh, deeper subtleties of it very gross death says certain things many things there are passages where it says that there is no such love upon earth and if love would have lived if your lover would have lived love would have died and we say yeah yeah see so shubhendra also said this mayavad 
But actually, through death, because that's the process. Even in life divine, we have passages like that, which can be quoted against Shurabindo. This is because scripture is like that. It has to bring out a total truth, put each thing in its own place. And that's why in Savitri itself, Savitri tells to death, O death, thou speakest the truth, but not the truth that saves. Thou speakest the truth that slays. Now hear from me the truth that saves. Now you see both are true at different layers of consciousness. So one big problem of religions is that there are people who receive a great master's teaching, practice it and enter into a state of yoga, enter into the state of consciousness which the words very inadequately try to convey. And they go beyond the word and they understand through an identification what really the master means. But there are others who are you know, the usual lazy ones, what do they do before the examination? One month crash course, get a kunji. People become doctors like that. You'll be surprised, you know, kunjis. Kunjis are what? Shortcuts. You don't want to read the whole chapter, read some important questions, read some, you know, uh, short these things and go and vomit it out. So this is how religion is formed. A lot of religious understanding, unfortunately, has come through this. People who did not engage into yoga because they were not ready for yoga, they did not want to undertake the yoga. At the same time, they have read a scripture, the what do they do with it? Some It turns into a belief system. Now, religion is not a belief system. It is not meant to be a belief system. It's, it's meant to inspire man to go to a, another state of consciousness, which is its origin, birthplace. Yesterday we were hearing in that video about the Paravak and Pashyanti and Madhyama and Vaikri. So through the Madhyama and Vaikri, which is at our level, the Vak, we can ascend to the Paravak, the origin of all things. So I suppose religion can be a tool only if we take it as a yoga which has to be lived rather than read and simply intellectually understood. Look what's happening in Islam. If you take it as a practice of yoga, then it's alright. Practice it. Realize what is there in it. Or Christianity. Of course, in Hinduism, yoga has always been kept alive. But in these religions, yoga has been lost. It has become just a scripture. And that's where the problem comes. The second problem of religion is that it um, shuts God in a certain limited formula and calls it as the only formula of truth or as the highest formula of truth. My guru, my so-and-so, my master, he is the ultimate. Now This is dangerous. Sanatan Dharma doesn't do this. It says, okay, to each one the divine comes in his own way. And I have to be faithful to the way divine has come to me. At the same time, I have to understand, accept, appreciate when others are faithful to their, you know, understanding of the divine. It's perfectly fine. It should not be imposed. That's why in originally there is no evangelism. The moment evangelism comes means by default I believe that, you know, my way is the only way. It's nothing but ego. This is my way and that's how fidelity to one's own path 
need not turn into fundamentalism. Fidelity is, well, to me, divine has come as mother and Shurabindu. I'm just giving an example. And to me, I, I do believe, like Tulsidas, when Tulsidas was told to bow down before image of Krishna, he is divine. He said, yes, he is divine. I don't doubt it. But I have a bit of problem. And he gave this couplet, Kaha kahun chhabi aap ki bhale birajo nath, tulsi mastak tabnave dhanushbandohat. You are great, glorious, wonderful. Who can deny it? But if you want to take my obeisance, please, from Chakradhari become Dhanurdhari. I'll bow down. Because that is the form I respond to. For me, Madhra and Shurabindu are God. But if I say they are the only God, everybody should worship Madhra and Shurabindu, there is no other, then I would be making Madhra and Shurabindu into a cult and a religion. The same divine may come to somebody as Christ, to somebody else as some other guru. It's perfectly fine. There is no quarrel on that. But sects are formed when I believe. Sometimes it's done very subtly. Openly it is not, you know, spoken. There was sometime back a meeting of inter-religious dialogues and faiths. You know, this is another thing which has come up. So people had come from different religions and they were talking after everything, it was meant to create a bridge. But see what happens. After the whole thing is over, the priest of one religious denomination says to other people of his own own group, so, I hope they got convinced. <laughs> he was not there to learn or understand. He was there to convince others. That look, you know, mine is the greatest. And he was using a platform to try and convince others. This is not a good way. This is how religion is formed. Very often people ask, why Shubindo? You know, Shubindo's mother have written everything about everything possible. But they would never try to turn it into any formula. When someone asked Shubindo, no, the person did not ask Shubindo, but asked Pavitrada. Let me be accurate. Monod Harzen. He asked Pavitrada. He was a scientist. He said, why Shurabindo did not reveal much about his outer life? What he was doing? For example, what he liked to eat? And what was his views about, you know, his everyday life, outer life? How many hours he meditated? What time he preferred to do this? And etc, etc. Pavitrata gave a very good answer. He said, it was asked to Shurabindo and Shurabindo himself said, that if he were to reveal it, people will begin to take that as truth and begin to imitate. And it will lose its value. Like for instance, take a simple thing like meditation. Mother says some people meditate as if they are paying a debt to God. But meditation is something natural, spontaneous, when people asked us, he said, we are not here to just give a technique. A technique in itself is meaningless. These are her words. Someone said, but it gives discipline. said, maybe. Maybe it gives a discipline that every day one sits at a particular time and practices something. But, as you know, Kabir says, sadhu sahaj samadhi bali. We should reach at a state when to... Meditate upon God should be so joyous that we don't need to fix a time and place and 
may be bold straight and technique because when you love someone where is the technique is there a technique of you know what what meditation gopis did their whole life was colored with krishna so the, the, the religions form when we pick up the outer structures and worse still when we you know give it the primary importance truth gets lost like very often people sometime back now of course children have already broken free from that they would say uh, daily mandir jata hai you know if somebody went to mandir daily he is very very spiritual man ravana also did that every day <laughs> and hanuman did know of a mandir because there was no mandir hanuman was a seeker where is ravana went for mandir and not only that he made a big mandir sometimes you know even in mandir we have mandir made by so and so a stone a either stone another stone so instead of god you are seeing all the names which are written it looks so ugly most horrible thing it's so repulsive ye patthar isne donate kiya the person has died gone but still wants to remain immortal this is the problem of religion and naturally the youth don't like it it's grotesque it's crude it's vulgar if you ask me if there is anything vulgar it is this to go to a place of god and see your name displayed there out there as somebody who has donated something are you got everything from that if you gave a small fraction of something what is that big deal everything you see received from there in fact it's shameful that you gave only this much sometimes you know this thought also occurs to me fala fala ne 50000 rupya diya in your life you must have received plenty from the divine so that means you gave only this much the rest you kept to yourself this how should been the says i feel like a thief that god has given me i'm sorry maybe you know i'm speaking some inconvenient truths but you know <laughs> we need to confront them you know he says that uh, shubindu wrote this letter no to his wife he says i feel like a thief that i give only two annas to god and keep 14 annas to myself see this is the logic if you say that you know i have donated 50000 that means the rest you have kept to yourself by default it means that how about using every penny of ours in the right way in a beautiful way in a divine way that is something and that is far more difficult than to just give somewhere and be done with it so this is the whole problem of religion that it has encouraged a kind of falsehood and even become a cover for falsehood ugliest things have been done continue to be done in the name of religion killings imagine massacres what not in the name of religion now this is where we need to understand that that time is over we have had enough religions we don't need to multiply more religions so sects also become now religion and we use it like you know hamare guruji hain wo krishna bhi hain ye bhi hain everybody is guruji is you know everything yes for you yes of course it's a matter of your faith yeah, of course but it doesn't mean that you know we have to keep on turning that into a crystallized form religion is crystallization of truth and when it is crystallized it loses its real value so that's why we have to go beyond all this if we want to really if we are real seekers of truth this is not to say that somebody cannot find a truth in religion i myself quote several times from ramayana and puranas gita but pick up the truth not you know nitpick the words and 
just the external aspect. We don't become religious because we wear a dhoti. We can be religious wearing jeans and kurta. It's perfectly fine. A woman is not religious if she wears a sari and uses a bindi and puts a manka tikka. She becomes truly a sati if she is one-pointed in the truth and the love that she has carried in her heart. Even if she is mandodri. She is a sati. This is a great teaching. But when we lose it in its external, so the age has come when all this is going to go away. There is another thing which mother said when she said the age of religions is over. Up till now, this world was managed by the overmind gods. We have been hearing about overmind. Overmind is the plane of the great gods, the idea forces, the phalanx of the sun. And what happens is that each of these gods is absolute in his own right because he is close with the transcendent. Shiva is absolute to the Saivites. Vishnu is absolute to the Vaishnavas. And you see, actually we will see if we read the Puranas, each God is absolute in his own right because he, he comes from that. God is conscious of that. And they have governed this world so far, but because it is still one aspect, there is a chance of a small little shadow entering into it. That's what I think in the morning Shradhalu had also passingly mentioned. In the overmind, there is this possibility which enlarges and enlarges and becomes a cause of division as we go much lower down, utter ignorance, etc. So these gods have done a good job, but now is the time for man to go beyond them. Even Upanishads knew about this truth. So they, they, they would say, men are the cattle of the gods. Shobindo has this wonderful prayer, Be wide in me, O Varuna. Be solemn and pregnant in me, O night. Or like that he goes on. Be voluptuous in me, O Bhaga. But at the end he says, And liberate me from all these gods, O Kali. Because they are one aspect. And that's what we see at a human level. Sometimes there is a clash between justice and Kindness. Both are divine elements in their own right. But at a human level we fight. Love and strength. Both have their divine origin. But at a human level we fight. These different idea forces. So they have done their bit. Now is the time for man to go beyond the gods. When gods will become his. They have always been our friend and helper. They will become our brothers. Partners in the great game of life. And all our obeisance shall go only to the Supreme. When Mother was asked that there are people who continue to worship gods, Mother said, those who want to continue to worship the gods of religions, they can continue to do so. But they must know that it has nothing to do with the supramental truth. Very categorically she has stated. They can continue to do so. No problem. But they must know that out of our own choice we are doing it. So if we really want to go to the total truth, the all comprehensive wisdom, then we have to go beyond all these names and forms and formulas and ritual acts which carry a truth behind it. Keep the truth, cast away the ritual. Ritual is like the husk 
in which a kernel of truth is there. Take a simple example with which I'll end this part because there are two very interesting questions. Marriage. Now marriage we know is elaborate rituals. This fire, this, that and people. Very beautiful ritual. The secret fire in the center. What is this fire? Fire of aspiration. Seven planes on which we are together. So seven firas. So it's a very, very beautiful ritual. But when we don't know the truth, then what happens? More important than all this is, all this is also happening. But more important is ki, teri sadi, meri sadi se jada safed kaisi. You know, why is, why are you looking better than me? It also becomes a matchmaking place. It also becomes a ostentatious display of wealth and things like that. I am more superior than you and ugliest things and soon after marriage soon after all this center of aspiration as the center somebody else comes to the center and there is a power struggle the in-laws want to be at the center the husband wants to be at the center the wife wants to be at the center but the central just now you have seen it's a it's the fire if you put yourself in the center you will burn center is only for the fire and if people could understand this truth they don't have to get formally married if you understand that in the center is the fire of aspiration, our task in our mutually conjugal life is to help each other's aspiration, not, you know, to wrestle for the ego. I am the boss or you are the boss. Anybody, if the lady becomes, tries to become the boss or the man or the in-laws, there will be chaos. Our ritual is telling us that fire has to be at the center. Keep that at the center. Anywhere there is a discussion, conflict, problem, sit together and see in the light of this fire of aspiration, this truth, this ideal that we have chosen. Where does things fit in? Is this the true thing? Is this the right thing? Collective problems can also be solved like that if we are sincere. We had a problem at, in one of the centers and we used to do like this. Sit together. Okay, let's see. It's mother's center. In mother's light, what is the way to solve it? And if people have goodwill and harmony, they realize, yes, if we don't know, let's, you know, read about it and sit and meditate and we discover, yes, this is the right way. It's not about your way or my way. It's about what is the central truth. Now, because religion got lost in all these formulas, it is being broken everywhere all over the world. And what God has broken, who can revive? So, we may cry about it, we may feel sad about it, but we have to learn to accept and go forward. When Daksh Prajapati dies, out of misguided compassion, they want to revive him. And he's revived. What is the result? When the fellow moves one step forward, he moves once two steps backward. When he moves backward, it looks he's moving forward because his head has been fixed in a ulta way, wrong surgery done by the God. So we can't blame our surgeons here, you know. They've shown us the way. But it, this story is very symbolic. So Shobindu brings us a truth which is far greater. And if we want to become instruments and vehicles of, and that's why it's called Sanatan Dharma. Eshaha Dharma Sanatana. It's an eternal truth. You can't clothe it 
and fix it in any formula. It can clothe itself in number of formulas. It can have countless scriptures in the past and many more which will yet come in the future. But you can't fix it that this formula, this scripture is the only scripture for Sanatana Dharma. No. Then it's no more Sanatana Dharma. It becomes a temporary Dharma of a uh, certain contextual time and place. Yes, all these scriptures embody something of that light. But to really know that light, we have to go beyond the scripture. That the scripture itself says, Sanatana Dharma is not a scripture. It's not just a body of intellectual knowledge. And worst itself, interpretations of those scriptures makes it even worse. It's something which is far beyond. It's a means to receive that light. Even if the entire creation is destroyed, Sanatan Dharma will be preserved. That is why it is said six times they were pralaya and yet the Sanatan Dharma is preserved. That is the beauty of this eternal law of life. And that Shurabindo brings to the forefront. Because this was one of his work. He has received it in the Alipur jail that to re-speak the word. So he speaks about it and Mother also, very clearly, who are the people who are fit candidates for supermanhood and taking one step beyond? Many passages, just one small passage I am going to read. Thus, man's road to supermanhood will be open when he declares boldly that all he has yet developed including the intellect of which he is so rightly and yet so vainly proud, is no longer sufficient for him. And that to uncase, discover, set free this greater power within, shall be henceforward his great preoccupation. This is direct Sanatan Dharma. Then she says, Therefore, the individuals who will most help the future of humanity in the new age will be those who will recognize a spiritual evolution as the destiny and therefore the great need of human being. They will be comparatively indifferent to particular belief and form of religion. Indifferent. And leave men to resort to the beliefs and forms to which they are naturally drawn. It's perfectly fine. But recognize the spiritual element. You want to read the Guru Granth Sahib? Wonderful. But discover the great truth behind it. Eko Onkar. Ek Alak. You know, so many great truths are there. Discover that. At least ascend to the next level. Not just read it every day and forget about it. You want to follow the way of the Gita? Fine. Discover he who is behind all these forms and names from whom everything emerges and everything vanishes into him, that great vision of the Gita. Discover it by all means. You want to follow the way of Bible? Sure. Embody that love which can say from the cross, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. This is the great power and it doesn't matter which way. They will only hold as essential the faith in the spiritual conversion. If we can use a book for spiritual conversion, so much the better. If not, so much the worse. So that is it. They will especially not make the mistake of thinking that this change can be affected by machinery and outward institutions. 
It's not possible. They will know and never forget that it has to be lived out by each man inwardly or it can never be made a reality. This is the important element. And there are many sides to it, which maybe we can touch upon subsequently. But two important questions. The first is about consciousness. We keep hearing this word, consciousness, consciousness. What is consciousness? So there are two original mysteries of creation. And these mysteries are not birth and death. These mysteries is mysteries are what is existence? The second great mystery is what is consciousness? The original mysteries. Why anything exists? Look at existence. Even if you destroy something, it will exist. And that's what, when we go to Sanskrit and its root sounds. Now, we may destroy a stool which is meant to sit. But the act of sitting, where you take a sthiti, station, a station of consciousness, a poise of consciousness, it will continue to exist. You may be done with stool, you pick up a chair, you don't, at psychological level it will exist, even if all the, all this is gone, because it, it exists. Existence is not only of physical objects, existence is also of thoughts, feelings, ideas, they exist. How do they exist? It's a mind-boggling question. So existence is the first original mystery. What supports their existence? So of course through yoga, intellectually also we can arrive at that, but it's a very dry and dull method. And it's always indirect. So direct ways through yoga, yogis cast their gaze deep, deep, deep and they discover the one soul existent from which all other existence have derived. And all that exists has its roots there. So they discovered existence. But this existence is not something mechanical. It is conscious of itself, aware of itself. So what is that power with which existence becomes aware of itself? And becomes aware of all that is within it. So there are two aspects of this. Say for instance, we see a dream. Now of course we narrate, I saw in this dream all this happening. So we will see that in a dream, on one side I am doing certain things, on the other side I am also an observant who remembers, brings back the memory of the dream. So who is this I? So if we really go in this way, we discover that there is a power through which existence becomes conscious of itself. The supreme existence itself becomes conscious of itself through a power which is inherent within it. That power or we want to call it knowledge, awareness, doesn't matter, through which existence becomes aware of itself is consciousness. And it also becomes aware of itself and all that it contains within itself as possibilities and potentials. So consciousness has two aspects. Knowledge of the self and the power for this self to manifest in countless ways. These are both exist together. There is an essential knowledge 
of who I am. That is called jnana. And there is an extension of this jnana in multiple forms. The same jnana, the same knowledge acts in the snake and gives it the precision to catch its prey. The same knowledge acts in a mouse to give it all the means to protect itself. The same knowledge acts in the electron and atoms and protons to maintain a balance and order. The same knowledge acts in the galaxies to keep sure that they are moving in a certain way, arranged in space and time. The same knowledge acts within a human being to make him a seer and a sage. Same knowledge, not two knowledge. So this knowledge makes us aware not only of who we are, but what we can become, the becoming. So a being and a becoming. This is called consciousness. So consciousness is the fundamental reality, like existence is the fundamental immaterial reality which weaves cosmos. This whole creation is an act of consciousness. And that's why it is said in the mother that even the divine becomes aware of himself or itself or herself, doesn't matter, through consciousness. That's why Shubindo places the divine mother at the peak. This consciousness in its highest status is none else but the divine mother. It is through her that through Shakti Shiva becomes aware of himself. Otherwise he is Shava. Carrying the burden of a dead past on his shoulders. He becomes Shav without the Shakti. So consciousness is that Shakti which has within it the knowledge and the power which makes existence exist and become aware. And when it goes about creating, manifesting, then how does it do it? It limits itself. And as it limits, existence limits itself, seems to limit itself. That's the beauty. Infinite seems to become finite, small, little. Everything is the same existence and the same consciousness is operating, but it limits itself. So everything becomes a limited existence and a limited consciousness. The play, they become two. Existence limits itself, where is a limiting form becomes the Purusha, a different planes of consciousness. And consciousness limiting itself becomes Prakriti. Shakti becomes Prakriti. Limited nature. Though it, behind it is the same Shakti. And they play a game. And when they play a game, we are crushed, but it is called delight. When they come together, it is delight. They are playing a game together. Everywhere we will see these two in a limited way. So, existence, supreme existence is Paramatma. That's the second question. And within itself, for the sake of the play, he creates multiple centers of itself, each with its own potential of the infinite. Each can manifest something of that divinity. And they become Jivatma. Within itself, it creates multiple centers of itself. So, Paramatma and Atma. Or Jivatma, more technically. If we go to Atma, these another aspect of it. But yes, they are used very often interchangeably. For, for the moment, I am using it in that sense. Mira Atma, interchangeable. 
So consciousness also creates multiple fields to play with the Jivatma. At its highest it is playing with only one. So there is one Ishwara and one Shakti. But then for the sake of the multiple, multiple Jivatma, it creates multiple, multiple fields of self-manifestation. So it creates planes of consciousness. So we have the mental planes of consciousness and we heard so many higher mental, illumined mind, intuitive mind, over mind. Below the mind we, we have vital mind, we have physical mind. Then vital plane, many planes of consciousness of the vital. Many planes even of the physical matter on which and it plunges below. Because they want to play the game to the fullest. Hide and seek. Wherever she hides, the supreme spark plunges itself and discovers. This is the story of Manu and Shatrupa. So beautifully narrated in Indian thought. Shatrupa, she assumes a hundred forms. And Manu discovers wherever she is hidden. So where does she hide? She even hides into the utter darkness. She says, okay, find me. They are actually playing a game. (laughs) So the spark of the divine says, here you are. And everywhere the two come together. They are not two, they are one. Shubhinda says it beautifully in Savitri, the one who are two. And play in many worlds. In knowledge and ignorance they have spoken and met. Our pleasure and pain are their eyes interchange. Nothing else. When one of them closes the eyes and says, find me or I don't see you, then there is pain. (laughs) All pain at its essence is that. All suffering is at its root a longing. Longing for whom? For what? Ultimately for the one existent. It may take many forms, this person, that person, so... Hide and seek is going on. That's why children love hide and seek. That's why sometimes we deliberately play hide and seek. When a couple are getting bored of each other, then they say, okay, thode din maike chale jao. You know, it's the same game. Who started the game? He started the game. So afterward, they again, ah, please come back. No, no, chula nahi chal ra, mein dekho khana nahi ban ra, kya mushkil mein. And she out of compassion comes. This is the same game which is going on, which symbolically takes many forms. Hide and seek. But they are one. So consciousness becomes mental consciousness when it limits its knowledge. It becomes mental consciousness. Why? Because the jiva has to, it's not ready for that. It has to go step by step. When it further limits Another aspect of itself limits its power, then it becomes vital consciousness. It knows it has power, but it cannot have the full power. It's seeking vital in man by nature, vital anywhere, seeks power, strength, joy. Similarly, the mind gropes for knowledge. So the knowledge aspect becomes mental consciousness, limiting itself. The power aspect becomes vital. And the soul existent, Satpurusha, becomes existence, material instant existence. Shiva, on whose breast the tremendous dance of Kali is taking place. Look at the image, how beautiful it is. 
he gives himself, offers himself for the play. So who will play? Now the jiva, purusha and prakriti are playing. And what is happening through the play? Consciousness is developing. Developing means what? It is already there in its fullness, but it is getting released. And as it gets released, manifestation becomes more and more complex, more and more interesting, fascinating. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. You have a challenge, greater challenge, greater challenge through the play. All life is actually a play. And in this play, this is developing. So we may say, but there is suffering and pain. That's because we add mind, because of ignorance, add something which becomes a spoil sport. It's like when you play a game of football for the joy of it. I mean, all of us used to play, I'm sure, as children. It didn't matter, you know, who which side won. But the moment you bring in prestige, ambition, reward, and, you know, I must win, then there is success, failure, all these dualities come in. Otherwise, it's play. And when you play, consciousness develops. Whether you like it or not, it will develop. And that is the purpose of the play, which Mother says is growth of consciousness. And it can grow ultimately towards infinity because that is what is inside. Everything holds within itself infinity. Infinite existence, infinite consciousness. It has great practical implication. People think it is theory. Take for instance somebody who has experienced even a glimpse of infinite existence. What happens to such a person when he faces death? Like Sharmad, like Guru Tegh Bahadur. Sri himself with the sword dangling over his head. He knows that there are multiple existences, but one sole existence which nothing can slay or kill. You are freed from fear. Death is terrified when it comes to touch such a person because he this fellow is, he knows the truth. So death will do pranam and say, I am sorry, I have to break this mold of yours. And such a person will say, please do your job. Temporarily I have to be out of the house, but I have another one, I will stay there. Don't worry. All yours. Because you know the one soul existent. Death loses its meaning. It's a very practical thing. It's, it's not a joke. It's real, real, real fact. That if we have one glimpse of the soul existent, all fear of death will vanish. Similarly, the one consciousness which we are all the time carrying. Imagine, in, in times of crisis, again a very simple thing, in times of crisis, isn't it that we end up doing things which normally we'll, we will not do? You know, there are people who will say, Mera ghutna darad hota hai, main chal nahi sakta, ye nahi ho sakta. Just let a snake come and see how they run. <laughs> they will not say, you know, I have osteoarthritis, please be kind to me, I am on medication. They will run, they will jump. Everything they will do. Even within those limits, something will come which is more than that. That is the secret. See, in, in Ramayana it is shown in such a beautiful way that when Ravana comes, Sita, what does she do? She picks up a blade of grass and says, Ravana, you dare cross this. A blade of grass contains within it all the potential of the consciousness. Kain Upanishad speaks of that. And that's why Ketu Upanishad, the other day that we were reading, the first part is Tadev Brahman Tvam Vidhi Nidham In the next part, it clarifies further that the gods believe they are victorious. And the eternal comes and says even a blade of grass you cannot touch. 
Because I stand behind it, supporting it. And all the gods can't touch it. They are victorious, but they can't touch it. Simply because one has realized the one consciousness. What does it mean in practical terms? When we take refuge in the Divine Mother, she is the one consciousness. The supreme infinite consciousness. What happens to such a person? Wherever he goes, he is not scared. He knows that all the power of all the universe and much more, he holds within and that power holds this person. So what? Even if a titan comes, he is held by her. That supreme consciousness, infinite consciousness, if we can awaken and realize, the yogis do it through the process of kundalini. They awaken this consciousness till it reaches its ultimate possibility. In this yoga, it is done in the other way. It comes from above and opens up all the possibilities in the mind, the vital, which are fields of nature. But each supported by the same infinity. And then the man becomes, the person becomes potentially all-knowing and all-capable because he is informed all the time by this infinite consciousness. So consciousness is, in fact, even we become aware of ourselves through consciousness. But since we have a limited consciousness, we become aware of ourselves in a limited way. We become aware of ourselves as a body. Or we become aware of ourselves as thinking mind. But we can become aware of ourselves as Tattvamasi O Svet Ketu. Sohamasmi. That's the greatest awareness. I think that also answers that question about Atma and Paramatma. So, when Atma, as long as it is playing with nature, in traditional yoga it's shown like that. It's playing with nature and it's forgotten that it is, you know, Paramatma's ansha. And so it's lost in the fields of nature, busy playing and nature is playing hide and seek and he's experiencing pleasure and pain. But suddenly when it turns and looks, oh, I am that, I belong to that. Then it is no more, you know, uh, caught up in the play, no more suffers. And there is a very beautiful image in the Upanishad Dwa Suparna, the two birds. One which is sitting on the lower branch eating the fruit experiencing the joy and sorrow and the other which is enjoying delight. So these are the two poises of the Atma. One turned towards nature. The other when it turns towards its own source. And when we speak of turn towards nature, then there are many fields of nature, not just the mind. Many layers of mind, many layers of vital, many layers of nether worlds. All these are fields of nature created for the experience and the joy of the Purusha who must grow through all these planes. It's like when a baby is in the womb. What does the mother do to hold the baby? She brings out from herself a womb. Pehla palana, the first cradle. Then next, out, Cradle. Third, the bed with rails. Fourth, she makes sure that the child, you know, remains within her sight. That is another kind of cradle. And it goes on till the whole world becomes the child's cradle. But the child has grown to a point where he can navigate through the whole world and the mother has seen to it that he reaches that point. 
So similarly, the one Shakti creates for the Jeevatma many cradles. The first cradle is the dark womb. Utter ignorance. It doesn't know who he is. Hardly opens the eyes. Helpless baby. Fed by milk, doesn't know who is feeding. And through different layers, the cradles change. Then it comes to the mental cradle. It's a cradle. Bigger cradle, very large cradle. But already a launching pad for launching into the ultimate source. It's only when the Jivatma reaches a high degree of development in the mental domains that it can begin to turn towards its own source and turn and realize it, turn towards it. It's not barred from turning before that, but that's the normal course of evolution. So Jivatma and Paramatma is only one side of truth, of existence. But mental, physical, vital, netherworlds, higher world, they all belong to the nature side. And the two play together. So these were the questions. I think uh, we have more or less finished the time. But if there is any quick question, maybe two, three minutes, we can take a shot. Yes. In Sanskrit, the word subjective Yes, that's. Implies both. Both. Knowledge and. Yes. Thank you for, you know, it's for every one of us. Huh? Chittapas, that's how Shivinda puts it. Yes. So in the, 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 all the writings of the Mandara and Shikaru, when they use the word consciousness, do they mean chit or do they mean. Chittapas. Somewhere, sometimes awareness, sometimes power. Yeah, but they are, they are basically one. Shobinda has used it primarily as Chittapas. He has clarified that very clearly. Though, as you rightly say that one uses the word Chit. Because in tradition we have Sat, Chit, together Ananda. But he uses the word Chit always as implying both. Even knowledge is incidentally a power. It's a power of self-awareness. Therefore, these uh... No, they they have to be together because without tapas there can be no creation or no awareness. Here tapas is simply the power of self-concentration. Anything, even a most limited existence to know itself has to be, I mean in every, every let's take a human life and our human awareness. There is a tapas involved but not tapas in the highest sense. But in a very limited sense, that's how to know myself, I have to attend to, you know, this is a very interesting word, attention, this very marvelous word, attend. It's like turning the consciousness and concentrating it and that's how I become aware of myself and do any action. To do any action, there has to be some degree of tapas involved, tapas in its widest sense. Of course, then, you know, tap, it can be developed to any extent and lead to self-knowledge and self-expansion. So always they are together. They are, they are used in, interchangeably. You know, at a human level, we find that there is a awareness, but not necessarily will execute. That is, yes. They, they are two different things. There is a disparity. There is a lack of rhythm between the two. There is will. It's not that. Yes, they get separated. Below the supermind, they get separated. Knowledge and the will, the, they are always together, but the capacity to execute it, the will may be completely stunned. And that's the problem of the mental domains and the vital domains, that they get separated completely. In the vital domains is the other way around. There is the will, but there is no knowledge. And uh, mentalized people have the knowledge. Knowledge means whatever at 
mental level, but no will to execute it. And in super mind, they are in perfect harmony with each other. Yeah, classical partner. Yeah, Janami Dharmam. But I have no vritti towards it. Yes, you were saying something. In Jainism, we discuss the embodied soul as having these two aspects, Chetna and Upyog. Yes. May or may not be. See, the problem of comparison, Shubindo, even with regard to, you know, Tatriya Upanishad, where he has uh, these terms he has picked up, he was not very comfortable about. Comfortable means he generally discouraged comparisons because, see, behind the words there is an experience. Now, what really was the experience, we don't know. So, it's best, any, like, as Bhai Sahib has rightly told, you know, it's the word used in Indian thought is chit. Or the other day, Shadhalu was mentioning about Vigyanme. Now, Vigyanme is um, undoubtedly, you know, the super mind in the highest sense. But even yogis in modern times, I have read, you know, people even who are right now um, conveners in World Yoga Day in India. Let me not take names. But they use Vigyanme to mean higher intellect. Now, you know, it's picked up from there and that's how we use Vigyan. Vigyan science. So basically, uh, it's best not to, you know, uh, because one doesn't know what was the state in which a particular word was born. It could be, if I have to use a more intuitive sense, it would mean the power of effectuation, manifestation, upyog, you know what you are saying. How that knowledge can extend itself, it could be. That's why I use the word could be, because intuitively that's how I feel. But may not be, because what was that state is very hard to say. Yes, please. Uh, the other day you were sharing about uh, miracles, like uh, two miracles. One of the miracles was like you uh, did not meet a mother, but still you had a... Yeah. So, uh, similarly, like what I felt was like, uh, one of the miracles like, uh, of all the people in the world, nearly 80% believe in God. So, it is a miracle for me. Yes. But uh, I've, I've come through, like, uh, from a Hindu family, then from uh, my mother is a fortune teller. Wow. So she is into some blind beliefs which I don't like. But I also passed through that. Then I studied in a Christian school. I married by a Muslim. But I had learned a religion a bit like uh, last year I studied as a scholar. I learned Islam from there. Wow. You are a living example of how to go beyond all forms of religion. And I must say it's a real appreciation. I mean I appreciate that, yes. You know what, you remind me, you, you remind me of very interesting, you know, uh, actually you missed out on one salient thing. Please sit and I am so happy that, you know, you missed out on something more fundamental and that's your name. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> so, so you, yeah, you are right. See, within the framework of religions, we cannot get a perfect answer. I quite appreciate, you know, what you are saying. Because within the framework of religions, each religion has a great truth. And to some, some aspect appeals, to some, some other aspect appeals. And therefore, people have a natural tendency toward this or that religion. Which is very nice, in a certain sense, to break free from the frames in which one is born and to explore. But the answer will never be found within the framework of religions. But you can use religion to transcend and go to the next step. And that's where yoga comes in, that's where spirituality comes in. So if one really goes beyond it, and that's where now the next step, as you said, you have turned full circle, you have explored all these things. I mean, I have myself not uh, in such a methodical way as you have done. Sri Ramakrishna was a living example of this. He practiced the yoga of each religion, not just the religion. The yoga of each religion, he did Anuman Bhakti, grew almost a tail. He practiced uh, Islam and, you know, uh, he would realize Allah. He practiced Christianity. He was a living example of what you are saying. But he practiced the yoga, not the religion part. And at the end of it, he discovered that all these truths converge and lead us towards that. So as long as one doesn't shut oneself into any formula, I mean, cool, you sleep in a mosque, is perfectly fine. Read a book, one doesn't become, you know, uh, this or that. One becomes... Uh, the hard religion when one begins to become evangelistic and you know believe that this is the only truth it's my truth my way is perfectly fine in fact what you are doing is uh, on the path of what we were just mentioning sanatan dharma the beauty of sanatan dharma you can never move away from it so you know when you said that i moved from one to another from a point of view of sanatan dharma you are still you know, in the same, because Sanatan Dharma includes, Sri Aurobindo says, it has many scriptures, the Bible and the Quran are also its scriptures. Any path which has explored the eternal is Sanatan Dharma. So, it's that from what you have moved away from is a kind of doctrinal belief system, which obviously, for various reasons, you didn't like, and you have absolute liberty not to like it. But if you go to its source, as indeed you go to the source of any religion, you will discover the same eternal truth shining. What has Sufism done? You see, there are, when we read some of the uh, Sufi Kalams, I am a great lover of Sufi music. I see the same thing, so wonderful, what bhakti. I mean, these many are now coming to my mind, you know, where he says, holy khel rahi hai, you know, they talk about Krishna and, you know, I, he is the Pichkari and we are all gopis. And they use Ahmad in the same name. Sufism is nothing but uh, taking out the yoga of Islam and practicing it. So they could discover the same truths. Yar ko humne ja baja dekha. Kahin zahir, kahin chipa dekha. Who is Yar? My beloved. Ja baja dekha, everywhere I see him. Somewhere I see him, very obviously, somewhere I see him hidden. Kahin zahir, kahin chubat dekha. Mujhe bekhudi ki tune badi chasani chitai. I have forgotten myself, you have given me such a chasani, the experience of Ananda. So many Sufi kalams, which are nothing else, you know, but great truths of Sanatan Dharma, and they talk about Allah, they talk about, uh, you know, the Islamic um, uh, doctrines, but they don't practice the external hard thing. In fact, it's banned in uh, what happened to Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan, you know it. 
same thing happens in christianity there are christian mystics they were gnostics who were they they were vedantins who were unfortunately chased away by the 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 hardcore christians but that is where i feel the beauty of sanatan dharma is by its very nature it is inclusive all embracing and because it includes many scriptures many masters and always it takes the word of the living master greater than any book so if shri ramakrishna paraman says so then you can't say well veda quotes this no he is a realized person if shirobindo says so you don't further question that you know sir but in the vedas you know that is written because the living embodiment of truth that is the where sanatan dharma if i may use the word scores an edge because it is all inclusive all embracing it's easy for anybody practicing truly sanatan dharma to embrace anyone there are no issues about it but it's very difficult for the practitioner of a limited religion to embrace in heart and mind unless he is into the yoga side so maybe you have turned full circle and it's not just chance that you are here and you know we are talking about going beyond religions but uh, one comment is that uh, even with hindu religion after i Now I understand Hindu religion in a different way, which my mom doesn't know, and she doesn't want to understand. That. Yes. So religion doesn't have a role to push. Uh, All moms are like that. Let me tell you. <laughs> you know, don't push her. We were just saying she will have her own own time and way. That's what the Sanatan Dharma teaches us. See, <laughs> my mom. Uh, the first thing she asked when she went to pondicherry she had been to ashram of course first she told me we have so many gods and masters why did you have to find somebody in pondicherry that was her issue so i i mean i come from a very traditional hindu family far more traditional let me tell you you know with all the ram navami and bratas and upvas and chalisas all the vedas everything in my house was there and obviously at a point of time i began to question I became an agnostic so that's the time i also read all the religions the books i didn't i mean i could go to mosque church anywhere it didn't matter to me i mean to school but uh, i didn't believe in converting i mean i never felt the necessity so then my mom after some time she said yeah he is a great master but there are many great master why pondicherry now <laughs> it took me time to say what can i do it's not my choice but his master's choice anyways so when i came there can you imagine what is the first question she asked me dining room food does it contain onion or not because you know she can't eat onion and garlic so i prayed to mother and told her no it doesn't contain onion and garlic and i was praying because she can make the smell of onion even if food is cooked in a vessel in which onion was you know used and i don't know till date i have never inquired because i am afraid of having told an untruth so i never after that asked because then i'll be in a dilemma <laughs> so i have till date never asked dining room khana mein onion padta hai ki nahi but she doesn't know she never made out but over a period of time you know they themselves began to turn my mother towards the end of her life she would say you know what you know me kiska mala karti hu she used to do in traditional way she was mala durga every possible god you know was all at her fingertips literally <laughs> but towards the end she confided to me that i am doing ma ka naam ka jap 
because through that she went on to that she had her own time i never tried to convert her I never used to say that you know you must go to ashram and it's good to keep that because that is the true spirit of sanatan dharma shurbinder and the mother would never ever ask anyone to do that even their own relatives others this yoga is an individual journey it's given to you you have reached a point where you can comprehend the vastness of this creation and the vastness of the creator but that's for you when i understand your love for your mother keep this love and compassion in your heart and pray in whatever way you seek the almighty and you will see that from within the change will come at its own time and that will the, the beauty don't try to explain anything to anyone this of course is a dedicated audience i won't do this if i am you know somewhere out and won't like to explain unless somebody seeks but is it like basically you start believing or not believing whatever is where you find solace in yourself you know i mean that is the to me that is the key and never believe anybody needs to convert anybody but whichever aspect of life that gives you solace to yourself peace to yourself from there you take where you need to follow your journey fair enough whatever that's what so you know we should leave essentially each one whether see some people seek peace and solace some other seek something else some other seek knowledge wisdom so this is like uh, all around yeah peace. yeah absolutely so there are different seekings and different approaches and that's what i meant that sanatan dharma is about it and so to each one one is left free to seek it in their own way and that's why conversions and evangelisms are meaningless things it has to come from inside this awakening this search and it comes to everybody in their own way in a certain sense everybody is on the path in fact everybody has his own unique religion as swami vivekananda said and should be confirmed everybody it's the way the dharma eternal dharma is unfolding in me that's my religion that's my connect with god and it's wonderful comfort zone of that yes whichever way and if my seeking is true i'll be pushed out of even my comfort zone because that is infinite ultimate solace is in the infinite beyond boundaries beyond limits that's why you know he is the limitless asim anand but we have to go steps and stages so who is at what we don't know but ultimate solace comes only when we discover the infinite and the limitless good thing arvin has come home <laughs> Okay so I I think we will uh, just uh, yeah uh, call it a day yeah thank you yeah we can we can probably if people are willing i don't know i shouldn't be um we can have another big question answer session i am fine with it um any time uh, whichever you feel you want to fit in or anything today tomorrow i am fine with it